Chapter 14. Gouchard Picks Up the True Scent. The millionaire gazed at the card with stupefied eyes. The inspector gazed at it with extreme intelligence. The duke gazed at it with interest. And Monsieur Fomaret gazed at it with extreme disgust. It's part of the same ruse. It was put there to throw us off the scent. It proves nothing, absolutely nothing, he said scornfully. No, it proves nothing at all, said Gouchard quietly. The telegram is the important thing. This telegram, said Monsieur Gournay-Martin, feverishly, it concerns the coronet. Is it going to be disregarded? Oh, no, no, said Monsieur Fomeray in a soothing tone. It will be taken into account. It will certainly be taken into account. Monsieur Gournay-Martin's butler appeared in the doorway of the drawing room. If you please, sir, lunch is served, he said. At the tidings, some of his weight of woe appeared to be lifted from the head of the millionaire. Good, he said, good. Gentlemen, you will lunch with me, I hope. Thank you, said Monsieur Fomoray. There is nothing else for us to do, at any rate at present, and in the house. I am not quite satisfied about Mademoiselle Kirchnoff. At least Gouchard is not. I propose to question her again about those earlier thefts. I'm sure there's nothing in that, said the Duke quickly. No, no, I don't think there is, said Monsieur Fomoray. But still, one never knows from what quarter light may come in an affair like this. Accident often gives us our best clues. It seems rather a shame to frighten her. She's such a child, said the Duke. Oh, I shall be gentle, Your Grace, as gentle as possible, that is. But I look to get more from the examination of Victor. She was on the scene. She has actually seen the rogues at work. But till she recovers, there is nothing more to be done, except to wait the discoveries of the detectives who are working outside, and they will report here. So in the meantime, we shall be charmed to lunch with you, Monsieur Gournay-Martin. They went downstairs to the dining room and found an elaborate and luxurious lunch, worthy of the hospitality of a millionaire, awaiting them. The skill of the cook seemed to have been quite unaffected by the losses of his master. Monsieur Fomeray, an ardent lover of good things, enjoyed himself immensely. He was in the highest spirits. Germaine, a little upset by the night journey, was rather querulous. Her father was plunged in a gloom which lifted for but a brief space at the appearance of a fresh delicacy. Gouchard ate and drank seriously, answering the questions of the Duke in a somewhat absent-minded fashion. The Duke himself seemed to have lost his usual flow of good spirits, and at times his brow was knitted in an anxious frown. His questions to Gouchard showed a far less keen interest in the affair. To him, the lunch seemed very long and very tedious, but at last it came to an end. Monsieur Gournay-Martin seemed to have been much cheered by the wine he had drunk. He was almost hopeful. Monsieur Fomoray, who had not by any means trifled with the champagne, was raised to the very height of sanguine certainty. Their coffee and liqueurs were served in the smoking room. Gouchard lighted a cigar, refused a liqueur, drank his coffee quickly, and slipped out of the room. The Duke followed him, and in the hall said, "'I will continue to watch you unravel the threads of this mystery, if I may, Monsieur Gouchard.' Good Republican as Gouchard was, he could not help feeling flattered by the interest of a Duke, 
and the excellent lunch he had eaten disposed him to feel the honor even more deeply. "'I shall be charmed,' he said. "'To tell the truth, I find the company of your grace really quite stimulating.' "'It must be because I find it all so extremely interesting,' said the Duke. They went up to the drawing-room, and found the red-faced young policeman seated on a chair by the door eating a lunch, which had been sent up to him from the millionaire's kitchen, with a hearty appetite. They went into the drawing-room. Gouchard shut the door and turned the key. "'Now,' he said, "'I think that Monsieur Fomeray will give me half an hour to myself. His cigar ought to last him at least half an hour. In that time, I shall know what the burglars really did with their plunder.' "'At least I shall know for certain how they got it out of the house.' "'Please explain,' said the Duke. "'I thought we knew how they got it out of the house.' "'And he waved his hand towards the window. "'Oh, that, that's childish,' said Grouchard contemptuously. "'Those are traces for an examining magistrate. "'The ladder, the table on the windowsill, they lead nowhere. "'The only people who came up that ladder "'were the two men who brought it from the scaffolding.' "'You can see their footsteps. "'Nobody went down it at all. "'It was a mere waste of time to bother with those traces.' "'But the footprint under the book,' said the Duke. "'Oh, that,' said Grouchard. "'One of the burglars sat on the couch there, "'rubbed plaster on the sole of his boot, "'and set his foot down on the carpet. "'Then he dusted the rest of the plaster off his boot "'and put the book on top of the footprint. "'Now how do you know that?' said the astonished Duke. "'It's as plain as a pikestaff,' said Gouchard. "'There must have been several burglars to move such pieces of furniture. "'If the soles of all of them had been covered with plaster, "'all the sweeping in the world would not have cleared the carpet "'of the tiny fragments of it. "'I've been over the carpet between the footprint and the window "'with a magnifying glass. "'There are no fragments of plaster on it. "'We dismiss the footprint. "'It is a mere blind, and a very fair blind, too, "'for an examining magistrate.' "'I understand,' said the Duke. "'That narrows the problem, the quite simple problem, "'how was the furniture taken out of the room? "'It did not go through the window down the ladder. "'Again, it was not taken down the stairs "'and out of the front door or the back. "'If it had been, the concierge and his wife "'would have heard the noise. "'Besides that, it would have been carried down "'into a main street in which there are people at all hours.' "'Somebody would have been sure to tell a policeman "'that this house was being emptied. "'Moreover, the police were continually patrolling the main streets, "'and, quickly as a man like Lupin would do the job, "'he could not do it so quickly "'that a policeman would not have seen it. "'No, the furniture was not taken down the stairs "'or out of the front door. "'That narrows the problem still more. "'In fact, there is only one mode of egress left. "'The chimney!' cried the Duke. "'You've hit it,' said Grouchard, with a husky laugh. "'By that well-known logical process, "'the process of elimination, "'we've excluded all methods of egress except the chimney.' "'He paused, frowning in some perplexity, "'and then he said uneasily, "'What I don't like about it is that Victor was set in the fireplace. "'I asked myself at once, what was she doing there? "'It was unnecessary that she should be drugged "'and set in the fireplace. "'Quite unnecessary.' "'It might have been to put off an examining magistrate,' said the Duke. "'Having found Victor in the fireplace, Monsieur Fomeray did not look for anything else.' "'Yes, it might have been that,' said Gouchard slowly. "'On the other hand, 
"'She might have been put there to make sure "'that I did not miss the road the burglars took. "'That's the worst of having to do with Lupin. "'He knows me to the bottom of my mind. "'He has something up his sleeve, some surprise for me. "'Even now I'm nowhere near the bottom of the mystery. "'But come along, we'll take the road the burglars took. "'The inspector has put my lantern ready for me.' As he spoke, he went to the fireplace, picked up a lantern, which had been set on the top of the iron fire-basket, and lighted it. The duke stepped into the great fireplace beside him. It was four feet deep, and between eight and nine feet broad. Gouchard threw the light from the lantern onto the back wall of it. Six feet from the floor, the soot from the fire stopped abruptly, and there was a dappled patch of bricks, half of them clean and red, half of them blackened by soot, Five feet broad and four feet high. "'The opening is higher up than I thought,' said Gouchard. "'I must get a pair of steps.' "'He went to the door of the drawing-room "'and bade the young policeman fetch him a pair of steps. "'They were brought quickly. "'He took them from the policeman, shut the door and locked it again. "'He set the steps in the fireplace and mounted them. "'Be careful,' he said to the duke, "'who had followed him into the fireplace "'and stood at the foot of the steps.' Some of these bricks may drop inside, and they'll sting you up if they fall on your toes. The duke stepped back out of reach of any bricks that might fall. Gouchard set his left hand against the wall of the chimney-piece between him and the drawing-room, and pressed hard with his right against the top of the dappled patch of bricks. At the first push, half a dozen of them fell with a bang onto the floor of the next house. The light came flooding in through the hole and shone on Gouchard's face and its smile of satisfaction. Quickly, he pushed row after row of bricks into the next house until he had cleared an opening four feet square. "'Come along,' he said to the Duke, and disappeared feet foremost through the opening. The Duke mounted the steps and found himself looking into a large empty room of the exact size and shape of the drawing-room of Monsieur Gournay-Martin, save that it had an ordinary modern fireplace, instead of one of the antique pattern of that in which he stood. Its chimney-piece was a few inches below the opening. He stepped out onto the chimney-piece and dropped lightly to the floor. Well, he said, looking back at the opening through which he had come, that's an ingenious dodge. Oh, it's common enough, said Gouchard. Robberies at the big jewelers are sometimes worked by these means. But what is uncommon about it, and what at first sight put me off the track, is that these burglars had the cheek to pierce the wall with an opening large enough to enable them to remove the furniture of a house. It's true, said the Duke. The opening's as large as the good-sized window. Those burglars seem capable of everything, even of a first-class piece of mason's work. Oh, this has all been prepared a long while ago, but now I'm really on their track. "'And after all, I haven't really lost any time. "'Doucet wasted no time in making inquiries in Saru Street. "'He's been working all this side of the house.' "'Gouchard drew up the blinds, opened the shutters, "'and let the daylight flood the dim room. "'He came back to the fireplace and looked down at the heap of bricks, frowning. "'I made a mistake there,' he said. "'I ought to have taken those bricks down carefully, one by one.' Quickly he took brick after brick from the pile and began to arrange them neatly against the wall on the left. The duke watched him for two or three minutes, then began to help him. It did not take them long, 
and under one of the last few bricks, Grouchard found a fragment of a gilded picture frame. "'Here's where they ought to have done their sweeping,' he said, holding it up to the Duke. "'I tell you what,' said the Duke, "'I shouldn't wonder if we had found the furniture in this house still.' "'Oh, no, no,' said Grouchard. "'I tell you that Lupin would allow for myself, or Ganimard, being put in charge of the case.' and he would know that we should find the opening in the chimney. The furniture was taken straight out into the side street onto which this house opens. He led the way out of the room, onto the landing, and went down the dark staircase into the hall. He opened the shutters of the hall windows and let in the light. Then he examined the hall. The dust lay thick on the tiled floor. Down the middle of it was a lane formed by many feet, the footprints were faint, but still plain in the layer of dust. Gouchard came back to the stairs and began to examine them. Halfway up the flight he stooped and picked up a little spray of flowers. Fresh, he said. These have not been long plucked. Salvias, said the Duke. Salvias they are, said Gouchard. Pink salvias. And there's only one gardener in France who has ever succeeded in getting this shade— "'Monsieur Gournay Martin's gardener at Charmeras. "'I'm a gardener myself.' "'Well, then, last night's burglars came from Charmeras. "'They must have,' said the Duke. "'It looks like it,' said Gouchard. "'The Charolais,' said the Duke. "'It looks like it,' said Gouchard. "'It must be,' said the Duke. "'This is interesting. "'If only we could get an absolute proof.' "'We shall get one presently,' said Gouchard confidently.' "'It is interesting,' said the Duke, in a tone of lively enthusiasm. "'These clues, these tracks, which cross one another, "'each fact by degrees falling into its proper place. "'Extraordinarily interesting.' "'He paused and took out a cigarette case. "'Will you have a cigarette?' he said. "'Are they capable?' said Gouchard. "'No, Egyptians, Mercedes.' "'Thank you,' said Gouchard, and he took one. The Duke struck a match, lighted Grouchard's cigarette, and then his own. "'Yes, it's very interesting,' he said. "'In the last quarter of an hour you've practically discovered that the burglars came from Chamorras, that they were the Charolais, that they came in by the front door of this house, and carried the furniture out of it.' "'I don't know about their coming in by it,' said Grouchard, "'unless I'm very much mistaken. They came in by the front door of Monsieur Gournay Martin's house.' "'Of course,' said the Duke. "'I was forgetting. "'They brought the keys from Chamorras.' "'Yes, but who drew the bolts for them?' said Gouchard. "'The concierge bolted them before he went to bed. "'He told me so. "'He was telling the truth. "'I know when that kind of man is telling the truth.' "'By Jove,' said the Duke softly, "'you mean that they had an accomplice?' "'I think we shall find that they had an accomplice.' "'But your grace is beginning to draw inferences with uncommon quickness. "'I believe that you would make a first-class detective yourself. "'With practice, of course. With practice.' "'Can I have missed my true career?' said the Duke, smiling. "'It's certainly a very interesting game.' "'Well, I'm not going to search these barracks myself,' said Gouchard. "'I'll send in a couple of men to do it. "'But I'll just take a look at the steps myself.' So saying, he opened the front door and went out and examined the steps carefully. "'We shall have to go back the way we came,' he said, when he had finished his examination. "'The drawing-room door is locked. We ought to find Monsieur Fomeray hammering on it. 
and he smiled as if he found the thought pleasing. They went back up the stairs, through the opening into the drawing-room of Monsieur Gournay-Martin's house. Sure enough, from the other side of the locked door came the excited voice of Monsieur Fomeray, crying, "'Gouchard! Gouchard! What are you doing? Let me in! Why don't you let me in?' Gouchard unlocked the door, and in bounced Monsieur Fomeray, very excited, very red in the face. "'Hang it all, Gouchard! What on earth have you been doing?' he cried. "'Why didn't you open the door when I knocked?' "'I didn't hear you,' said Gouchard. "'I wasn't in the room.' "'Then where on earth have you been?' cried Monsieur Fomeray. Gouchard looked at him with a faint, ironical smile, and said in his gentle voice, I was following the real track of the burglars. Phoebe Reads a Mystery is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC.